Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com. It's Thursday, November 19th with Pete Sampson and Tim O'Malley. I'm Tim Priester, and we are here to preview Notre Dame versus Boston College. Before we get into that, I think our first uh, order of business each Thursday now is uh, the, the college football playoff rankings. Notre Dame and the entire top four stays intact the way it was the week before. Jeff Long, the committee chairman, said that Notre Dame's position in that number four spot is secure. But I'll believe that when I see it after next week's provided Notre Dame beats Boston College because with the TCU at Oklahoma and Baylor at Oklahoma State, I think we could possibly see a Notre Dame win and dropping down to fifth heading into next week. Yeah, it's possible. And you wonder what will happen with Ohio State, Michigan State, depending on how that game goes. This, this will be a tumultuous week. I think we've learned a little bit more every week as these rankings have come out, but I think it's it's really significant to me that Oklahoma, after going on the road and beating Baylor, which is maybe the best win of college football this year, up there with Clemson over Notre Dame and Alabama just demoralizing LSU. Uh, LSU, they only jumped five spots. Four of the teams that they jumped lost. So the only team they really climbed over who won was Florida, who beat South Carolina. So... As much as I think as the committee has said, you know, we sort of tear it up and reevaluate every everything every week. If that if winning on the road at Baylor only gains you one spot over another team that won, Notre Dame's position at number four might be as secure as Jeff Long has made it out to be. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, I think Oklahoma's a really good team, and if all these teams lined up and played, they would do they would fare pretty well. But if every time they tear it up and look at things over, they're always going to see the fact that Texas put them wire to wire down and that's bad i know it's their rival but texas jumped all over them texas beat them and texas is going to win five games this year maybe and that's a problem because if you're comparing it to losing to clemson which is what it is i mean you're not comparing oklahoma to other one-loss teams right now right there's it's notre dame they compare them to when they look right. at these things because right. everyone else is irrelevant unless michigan state beats ohio state then a lot of little imaginations come in there obviously um that'll be interesting actually if michigan state could beat ohio state because michigan state will have a Kind of controversial one, well, whatever it was, one or two point loss on the road. Mm-hmm. Obviously, a very controversial win. Um, but I think that's really the only way it opens it up where you start comparing a lot of one loss teams right now. I think they look at Notre Dame and Oklahoma and they have Notre Dame ahead of them. And if Notre Dame beats Stanford, they'll stay ahead of them. If that's really not the concern. I think the concern is somehow if Oklahoma State wins their next two games. They're, I mean, they're going to be, if they're undefeated and they, and they're yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, they and, and rightfully yeah. so. And Iowa still sitting in the number five mm-hmm. spot, but. Kirk Herbstreit said on a couple of occasions, and I haven't always agreed with everything that he said with regard to the playoffs as we've evolved here, but uh, you know, Iowa can take care of their own business. It doesn't matter that they're sitting number five. If they went out, which would, would mean winning the Big Ten championship, then, then they obviously would be included. Yeah, I mean, the Big Ten chaos theory that I'm interested to see is, okay, Ohio State beats Michigan State this weekend, but then they turn around and lose at Michigan, which I think is like semi-probable. Yeah. 
Then Michigan goes to the Big Ten Championship game. Yeah. Ohio State's out. They're done at 11-1. and one. They're out. They will do not. Do they make it? No. Probably no not. They have nothing. They didn't do enough this year. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They're, so, they're a great team that wouldn't be in. Yeah, you got a one-loss Ohio State. You know, what happens if Michigan then goes on and beats Iowa? Great. Really good two-loss team that doesn't really get good, in. And then a really good one-loss team. Another good one-loss. I think the Big Ten is out at yeah. that point. So that... That could solve the whole Big 12 conundrum about Oklahoma State or Oklahoma. You could have Oklahoma and Notre Dame or Oklahoma State and Notre Dame make the playoff at the end if the Big 10 plays out that way. I kind of, in the, you know, it's impossible to do with the three weeks left, but I did do, when running through all the contenders, for the first time I put the, what I project because of what I guessed as upsets and stuff like that. And I, you mentioned Michigan, I'm kind of sticking with it. I have reservations, but in May I said Michigan would beat Ohio State in this game. I didn't think Michigan would be this good. I thought it would be Michigan Super Bowl. Yeah. You know, if you have some game pressure on it, it's actually a little bit tougher to go beat Urban Meyer to go mm-hmm. to the Big Ten Championship game than it is if that's all that matters is winning that game. I actually have Oklahoma and Notre Dame in together, Notre Dame moving up, because I think Oklahoma's capable. The TCU without having, I mean, if Boykin can't go or if he's and, just destroys And their them. top receiver, Josh Jackson's out for the year. Yeah, it's a killer. Um, and I do believe Baylor will beat Oklahoma State this week, because I think Baylor's a really hard team to beat when they're not playing with any game pressure yeah. on them. And Oklahoma State... Let's face it. <laughs> you're just saying they're not that good. No, I'm just saying they're not that good. Right, yeah. you're, you're, what road win has impressed you most? Is it the overtime at West Virginia or beating Texas by three or Iowa State by four? Or maybe that 13-point win at Central Michigan? I am overly bitter at the Iowa State game because I sat here and pounded the table that Iowa State was going to win that yeah. game. And so now I just have an have. unnatural dislike for Oklahoma State for no reason whatsoever. Notre Dame's schedule in terms of who's ranked. USC snuck back in at number 24. You got Navy all the way up to, to number 16 this week. They're probably going to rise higher based on other teams beating each other. And then you got Stanford at 11, which is interesting just from the standpoint that when Notre Dame plays them, they will almost certainly be back in the top 10 because number 10 Baylor plays number 7 Oklahoma. You've got number 9 Michigan State at number 3 Ohio State. You know, you got Oklahoma State at 6. I mean, it, it's difficult to see a way that um, Stanford's not in the top 10 when that game comes around, which I think is going to be significant from a perception, which is is the most significant thing all of a sudden. It will be after their loss. Everybody is pointing to how bad of a loss that is with regard to Notre Dame. But, I mean, it's still... You're right. I mean, we're still looking at a 9-2 and Stanford team, you know, playing at home against Notre Dame. Another game of importance... Memphis at Temple this week. I mean, Temple um, suffering their second loss. You'd like to see them win uh, the the game against Memphis to help Notre Dame's cause. Another team we haven't mentioned in the top ten, Florida, is still sitting right there. Obviously, they will have their opportunities to really pad their resume, especially um, in the uh, SEC championship game. So, I mean, still, again, so many moving parts here. I feel like Gators fans must just be sitting there thinking, man, this would have been fun if we weren't waiting for that rolling train to come murder us in a few weeks. (laughs) Because I think that's probably... There's something ominous about Alabama right now. Um, And uh, last point, just Notre Dame's schedule. It's amazing to me we're going into the second to last week of the season. Notre Dame has a chance to have played six division winners on their schedule this year. It's highly unlikely that it will pan out that way, but I'd be surprised if they didn't get at least four. Um, Pittsburgh is like the longest of those long shots, but it's not a ridiculous long shot. And even if Pittsburgh doesn't win the the uh, Coastal, there's a real good chance they'll finish in the top 25 because they, they have two home games left. It's Louisville and Miami. 
So I mean, Pittsburgh's looking yeah. like that's going to be end up being a quality well, win. And, like and obviously, you know, maybe not a lot of people have recognized it, but the committee has. Yeah, <laughs> you know, right. I mean, right. I, and, and that was that was obvious from the 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 first poll that was put out. Yeah, Notre Dame sixth in the AP and coaches. Are they down to sixth. I don't. Know. I, I stopped looking at those things. I but. think that they're fifth. I want to say I don't okay. know, but you're you're right. I, your, yeah. your point stands. I've yeah. stopped looking yeah. at those yeah. things because. It's all about Tuesday night. I think night. they drop behind both Oklahoma's. Actually, I, I might not be right about that because it doesn't matter. But yes. that's, yeah. <laughs> someone look someone look that up for us. Well, yeah. We've done some research. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a hard enough time keeping everything tracked within the playoff uh, uh, poll. So anyway, uh, moving on from the polls and Notre Dame, um, you know, this is pretty exciting. I don't know. I, I, I've been to fifty-five or so different stadiums in the country, and. Uh, I've never been to Fenway Park for a baseball game. It'll be a unique setting. The place looks beautiful. The pictures of it look fantastic. And I don't know that I don't know that we're going to have an opportunity to explore the Green Monster. Joe Schmidt's certainly going to try to take advantage of the opportunity Friday during the walkthrough. Uh, but you know, I mean, it, it's pretty cool. I think the weather's going to be good, and and uh, you know, Boston College is going to be motivated. Steve Adazio is going to have that team whipped up into a frenzy. I don't know whether they'll be whether that will really matter for the Eagles or not. But uh, their defense is legitimate. I think I'm not sure that I'm ready to put a hundred percent stamp on that, that that it is legitimate because I think you when you look at some of these other factors when they faced a really good offense, Clemson just riddled them, especially with their passing game. I think Notre Dame's in a position to do something similar to that. You know, off topic, the Green Monster has a bar inside it where you can watch. Well, they will definitely very, be visiting. Exactly, them you can watch again. a very small amount of left field. There's a small window. You can sit in there and look out and just see the left fielder play. It's a, is I, that where the media sit? That's game? where you sit for the. Yeah, that's where we're going to be put for this game. Yeah, that's auxiliary press yeah. box. Yeah, I. I mean, the Clemson game really jumps off the stat Absolutely. page to me. Deshaun Watson throwing for four hundred four twenty. I mean, they were. I think we're in the five. Uh, did it hit five fifty? Five thirty. Yeah, something. I, yeah, a little under five fifty in terms of total offense. I mean, they smoked Boston College, and that's really the only good offense that they've played. And I think. A lot of us watched Florida State, Boston College, not knowing how bad Florida State's offense yeah, was at point. that time. Dalvin Cook was also banged up. Um, they couldn't do anything against Boston College, but they haven't really been able to do anything against yeah. a lot of teams. So I think Boston College's defense is legitimate. I just don't know how much of an impact that's going to have on Saturday night. I mean, I think it's going to keep the scoring down overall. But it's not going to make up for the fact that Boston College's offense is abysmal. You can extrapolate any kind of stats you want in order to make them fit your argument. But when I look at that Clemson game, Clemson had scoring drives of 7 plays, 75 yards, 7 plays, 66 yards, 11 plays, 80 yards, 6 plays, 98 yards, and 9 plays, 85 yards. That says that says a lot to me. Also, you look at NC State, and they had an 83-yard touchdown pass and a seven-play, 84-yard drive. Now, I know Notre Dame gives up drives like this all the time with their defense, but that's not what we're talking about here. And I think they're going to face a very aggressive... I think Brian Kelly tipped his hand a little bit the other day when asked about you know the Wake Forest game and not being consistent. They're, they're probably their least consistent game offensively. And he said, you know, we've got to be more aggressive. And I'm always talking about using the full width of the field. Well, that's what spread, offenses team, spread offense teams do. But I think especially in this game, he's going to throw it as much as he has to in order to loosen up what they need to gain between the tackles. I think the problem with Boston College's defense is they have to be superhuman. 
because they can't score points. They can't move the ball. I mean, they have no concept of getting down the field. We asked Joe Schmidt and some other guys yesterday to, when they're going well, what goes Diplomacy well. Diplomacy was difficult <laughs> for them in answering yeah. Stammering through answers. So, I mean, I think they have a very good defense, but they have to be the steel curtain to win games. So they're not. They have to score. Yeah, they have on to defense. score. And here's the thing I think what they do well. Penetration, it's ridiculous that they have four guys with more than 13 and a half tackles for loss. That's Manti Teo's career high at Notre Dame, by the way. They have four players 10 games in with 13 and a half tackles for loss. So when they penetrate and Notre Dame, let's face it, likes to go backwards on one-third of its runs, they have to be, Notre Dame has to be able to play from behind the chains in this game. And they can because it's odd to me. I don't know if this is going to change for this game. Press man on the outside against Will Fuller is just not going to work. Pittsburgh found out you can't do it. It's not an option. The defensive coordinator, Don Brown, and Steve Adazio are not going to change who they are for any game or any opponent. That's the problem. I think one of the, I I do want to throw this out. You know, the overall stats are tremendously skewed for Boston College because they played Maine, in which they gave up eight first downs and 91 yards, and they played Howard who they scored 76 points against, which tells you just how awful Howard is because BC's offense is awful, but Howard's offense had two first downs and 11 total yards. So these numbers yeah, 100 are... yards in two games, that's going to help Yeah, us. I mean, these, these numbers are a little skewed. Now, I'm not taking anything away from... You know, they beat Northern Illinois, which is their only FBS win, but Northern Illinois has a good offense. They held Duke to with a de- decent offense of 228 yards. Wake, not good... Although Notre Dame surrendered some yeah. yards, and, and they only had 142 against BC. It is a very, very good defense. There's no doubt about it. But they don't force a lot of turnovers. And when they did play one really good offense, Clemson's. Clemson, they didn't score 50 on them, but yeah. they certainly hung up the, the yards. Yeah, I mean, this their offense is such a mess right now that Malik Zaire would lead them in passing yards. <laughs> He's played seven quarters. I mean, they're on their fourth. He could also start on as current quarterback. quarterback. And this is a this is a true a, a walk on true freshman yeah. quarterback who was going to go to Harvard because he had no offers from I anyone else. I believe that their notes say he's one of two walk ons to start this year uh, at the FBS level. Fresno State being yeah. the other one. It's uh, I mean, their offense is wow. just a mess, and that's not going to change. I do think that Notre Dame's offensive line is. Is going to get pushed around a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that they took they took a step back last week, and I think we spent a lot of time talking about that on the previous podcast. But then you, you watch them; you've got four. It looks like you have four ankle sprains on that line right now. Nelson, Martin, Stanley, and McGlinchey, based on how they're taped up. And Stanley wasn't one that I don't. I don't think we talked about that or knew about that. Yeah, I don't know when that came exactly. I I went back and watched the end of the Pittsburgh game again. You've got McGlinchey and Stanley are totally healthy. Their ankles are not taped up. But then suddenly against Wake Forest, for Stanley, I believe it's his left. And McGlinchey's his left and Stanley is his right. They're taped up in a similar way that Martin and Nelson are. You sure McGlinchey wasn't hobbling at the end of Pitt? I'm pretty sure he was. By the end he was. Um, But during, like, when they were... Smoking him, right? He right, wasn't. Right. right. Um, he, yeah, he sprained his ankle in that game. Right. But uh, throughout the Wake Forest game, you have four guys with their ankles taped up. That's going to prevent you from getting as much push as you could. And I think against Boston College, that's if they're going to really run over Boston College, the offensive line is going to have to manhandle their front. And I, I don't think that Notre Dame's line is healthy enough to do that. No, I agree. And I, that's why I said they're going to be playing from behind the chains. But if you're if you're going to challenge Will Fuller on the outside, you're going to lose that enough where 
Look, they only have to lose two battles to Will Fuller, and BC can't score two, can't put together right. two touchdown drives. They'll put together one because there's enough healthy hatred and figuring things out, and Notre Dame gives up touchdown drives to everybody at some point, unless yeah. you're Texas, and they had no shot of anything. But they're going to give up a touchdown drive, but BC can't put together two touchdown drives. If BC had anything, this would be the scariest trap game in the history well, of you scary said, trap I think, games. I thought you said... They don't have anyone on I, offense. I thought you said something interesting. If they had Chase Reddick at quarterback, right. who was a good, solid, solid yeah. college quarterback, if they had him, then you would say, okay, there's something there. That emotion gets... <laughs> you, know, we can, you can want to win as much as you want, and you can hate as much as you want, but you have to have some talent too. They have it on defense. They're gonna have. There's gonna be a lot of plays where you see Notre Dame run that stretch run. It's loss of six, loss of four, loss yeah. of five, and yeah. you're like, what's wrong? And then you know you hit Will Fuller for 45 yards because it's press man. But it, I, I, I find it funny when they were talking about the questions this week. Some of the questions this week is that this is one of those games where Procise has to put his head down and realize he's got to get four and five yards. Are you kidding? He's not getting four or five yards on a single carry in this yeah. game. He's going to lose yards or gain a lot yeah. because that's the way it's right. set up. Against Slip this past defense. that first yeah. wall and, and break something. Everything that Notre Dame does wide offensively, we're going to see that, right? All the plays, yeah. the jet sweeps, the trips right where they throw it to the guy in the back of the stack and then block, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, up and out routes. Everything outside of the hash marks, I think Notre Dame is going to really, really attack. And getting back to Brian Kelly's comment about being aggressive, whenever Brian Kelly, whenever it's all on the line, he doesn't try to back into right. a win. He takes a very, very aggressive approach. And I just, I think, uh, what, what's the most passes Kaiser's thrown this year? I think 36. I think there's a great chance that that has exceeded because that's how Brian Kelly is going to attack it. They're not going to back into their 10th win of the year. They're going to go for it. I agree. That's a great point. They will have to – because they have to throw to beat them. Clearly, you're not going to line up. and No one lines up to just run against no, Boston College. It doesn't make I, any sense. I, I, I mean, here's a, here's a big uh, gamble statement. Fuller's going to have a big game against yeah, Boston yeah. College. <laughs> yeah, I, the Kaiser's season high for attempts is 36 against Temple. Which is followed yeah, by 34 against Clemson. What are those? Te- what does Temple and right, Clemson exactly, have in common? Exactly, they stopped the run. Right. So yeah, I think Kaiser's going to hit 40 on Saturday night. Like I don't. I think the way the Clemson game went was a was a pretty quick reminder to Brian Kelly. Was like, I like passing, and when you take away the run, I love passing. And I think that that's what they did against <laughs> Temple, and that's what they're going to do against Boston College. I think Kaiser's going to easily go over three three hundred yards passing. He's going to throw 40 times. And he's going to have three touchdowns. So it's that that's how Notre Dame's going to win yeah. the game. CJ Prosize may finish with 62 yards on he 20, and, and, 21 and, carries. And that's how, like Tim said, I mean, that's how they're going to pop one. You yeah. just keep you keep working the outside, working the outside, and you can slip something between I like, the tackles. I like the thought of Kelly looking at uh, as BC's run defense gets better and better statistically. I cannot wait to throw the ball 50 times in November. This yeah. is going to be awesome. <laughs> and, I mean, Tim, you mentioned at the beginning the weather's supposed to be good. I yeah. think it's high of 50 degrees. Yeah. No, I don't think any rain or precipitation in the forecast. Like, it should be a pretty clean game weather-wise. And that, I mean, that's only going to further. Deshaun Kaiser throwing it all over the place. Yeah, no doubt. And you know what? Shamrock Series, I mean, it's going to be that love fest again. And Notre Dame responds really well to those uh, those situations. And usually it's against an inferior opponent. And that's what this this situation is again, but I expect it to be a love fest in, in Fenway Park. Good Notre Dame feelings all about it. You know, Notre Dame will have the videos going on the. Do they have boards at Fenway? 
I believe yeah, they, okay. they, they're, 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 they've, they've caught up, of course. Yeah, all right, right. So, I mean, I, I, I just, you know, to me, I, I, I've been, it's since the summer. I, I said it a thousand times. I apologize. But, I mean, I do, I know Steve Adasio personally. He is going to have that team whipped up yeah. in a frenzy, regardless whether they stink. They're three and seven. They're zero and seven against ACC. They're going to be ready to go. But I really think that Notre Dame is going to be prepared to match that because, look, they know where they are. They know how close they are. They are not going to overlook this situation. It's a two-week roll of the dice now, and they're going to go for it. That means BC needs a defensive touchdown, not interception. Yeah, I agree they with that. A defensive, they yeah. got one in 2002. At least. At least. At least they one. don't force yeah. a lot of turnovers. That's why I say this is a very... You know, a very, very good defense is one that holds down yardage. A great defense is one that holds down the yardage and turns the other offense yeah. over yeah. frequently. Yeah. yeah, so that's, I mean, this is, is this the worst Shamrock Series opponent that they've played? Washington State was really bad. They were quite bad. They have a pro uh, quarterback, Army, though, Army you, and They have a pro quarterback in Washington State. State. He, went, he made the NFL, yeah, so I guess not. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Uh, this is just not a game. That, if Notre Dame plays a clean game offensively, and I don't think they need to score a ton of points, they should, they I know, should win. I know you have to win the you know, key to the game, turn, win the turnovers. Yeah. Obviously, that is every game. But this is so. that's the only way Boston College can beat you is yes. if you lose yeah. the, the turnover Usually, battle. that's not that way. When you're playing right. Clemson, it's, right. it's not like the only way they can beat you is because of right. turnovers. There's no chance their offense can continue to move the ball but i mean as i said if they had anything i would be thinking that this could be one of those 1918 games one of the worst games to watch if you're a notre dame fan but they just don't have anything on offense so if you don't pull a uh flip the ball to was it josh ott for an 87 yard touchdown 2002 <laughs> don't do one of those seven fumbles seven fumble games seven fumble game hey green jerseys they're back you can, they're, they're yeah. slippery hey jalen smith apparently does not like the uniforms but since under armor is its new sponsor he's very hesitant yeah. to make that statement it was publicly. interesting he had a business decision on his mind when yeah. he was talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like why, why did you say look he's signing with nike next year anyway so like what's the big deal whether you offend under armor or adidas <laughs> All right, well, you you had thrown out a score, so let's get to predictions. Oh, Mally, you lead us off. I'm in the 22-5 to (laughs) range with six field goals combined, a safety for Boston College, and if not, I could see 18-4. to BC gets a couple safeties. But uh, they're going to come to play. Man, BC is going to be there, but the second half, they just can't. They don't have anything. If their defense, they have to be literally the best defense. They have nothing on offense. They have the, the superhuman defensive effort, and I think Notre Dame's too skilled for that. I do think... That BC is going to win handily at the line of scrimmage against Notre Dame's running game. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Uh, I'm going to Notre Dame 21 6. Kaiser with three touchdown passes, 300 yards passing, 40 attempts. Uh, I think it's going to be a real pass heavy game. But I'm with you. It's like Boston College can't play offense. So if you, if you can't score, what's the point? Like. There's just yeah. nothing that they can do to win the game other, <laughs> other than return a kickoff, return a punt, interception return, fumble return. That's it. Um, so that's what I'll go. I'll give them two field goals. So 17-6 Notre Dame. Is this another one of those games where you're going to turn to me like late in the third quarter and say, they could play eight quarters yeah. and they're not going <laughs> yeah. to score? <laughs> that's what, I mean, that's, Wake Forest had a competent offense and I felt like they were just not going to score on Notre Dame enough to win that game. Boston College, I don't know if they're going to score at all. Yeah. I, okay, so Tim, you're saying Notre Dame will have their their low rushing output of the season is 111 against Clemson. You're saying it will be under that because Brian, in the Brian Kelly era, there yes, have been yes, 16 yes. games in which 
Notre Dame has been held under uh, 100 yards rushing, an average of three per year. They have not had one of those. You're saying it's going under. I think so, because the only way, I mean, it'd be like last week only, there won't be a 98-yard run. But you could, I mean, you could still conceivably break one. Yeah. They don't, BC doesn't give up big plays on the, in the running game like that, but you can get one. If C, I mean, CJ Prosize is a phenomenal athlete. He can rip off a 50-yard run against yeah. someone. But I, if, if there's a long run, you can subtract that long run. They're going to average about 1.9 yards a carry. <laughs> well, it's funny you mentioned safeties because I, I was looking at the number nine for Boston College thinking they'll get a defensive touchdown and a safety yeah. to account for their nine points. Uh, we'll see what I end up predicting there. But uh Anyway, that's enough uh, uh, about that. We'll be back for segment two to talk a little bit of recruiting, including the commitment of running back Neon McIntosh. Welcome back to Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com. Segment two, our recruiting roundup with Pete Sampson. And there's a commitment to talk about first. Dion McIntosh? Yeah, running back out of Fort Lauderdale, Cardinal Gibbons High School. Um, there's some interesting Notre Dame connections there. And if you haven't read the story that our Anna Hickey put together this week on him and sort of the Notre Dame links around that program, it's, it's definitely worth checking out. Um, I mean, for starters, Keenan Bailey, who's one of Notre Dame's recruiting analysts, attended that school. So he's got a connection there. And then also the principal of that school, also a Notre Dame grad. So McIntosh had sort of had some Notre Dame influences around him and was a you know, Notre Dame just wasn't a school halfway across the country to him. He sort of knew something about it. Um, so credit to Notre Dame for basically recruiting right over the top of West Virginia, which is where he probably was going to go. Um, Autry Denson put a lot of work on this one. Brian Kelly visited during the bye week. Uh, so it's definitely Notre Dame, somebody that Notre Dame really wanted based on that work they put into this recruitment. Um, you know, he was he's not... A five-star running back. This isn't, um, you know, somebody who's going to be a game-changing athlete within Notre Dame's offense. But I think he's uh, he's certainly a, a good fit, spread offense running back who can play a little bit of slot receiver. I, I, I mean, his game does remind me of somebody on the roster right now. Yeah, there, I mean, there's just it, there's no way to uh, get around it. He looks like Amir Carlisle. Yes, I mean, he's absolutely. built. He's, he's built like him. He, his his game is similar. He's he's comes in as a running is back. Yeah, similar. I mean. You know, 170 pounds, which is yeah. probably about what Carlisle was coming out of high school. And, um, you know, scat back or change of pace or whatever you want to call it, a guy you can line up in the slot, a guy who may end up as a, as a slot receiver, depending upon how the roster shakes out. So, um, you know, you said not a five-star, probably not even a four-star. Yeah, so you know, three just because on of, Yeah, and I, th- and, I, and I think that that's a, an appropriate designation. But, you know, what I do like is... It's a good compliment to Tony Jones. They need they absolutely need a power back. They've needed a power back since um, Elijah Robert Hughes. Well, <laughs> since Elijah Hood yeah. backed out of Anthony, his commitment. I mean, I, yeah. Yeah, you know, to me, that's still one that that really hurts because they need that kind of guy, and that's what Tony Jones is. And lo and behold, look look what's happened to the Notre Dame running back situation. Presuming that you know Folston's back and Procise is back, and then Adams, and then Dexter Williams, and Tony Jones, and and Amir Carlisle Light and mm-hmm. Dion McIntosh, all of a sudden, Notre Dame's running back position is very, very well stocked. Yeah, no question. I mean, McIntosh is going to be somebody that you probably can put on the shelf a little bit, develop and figure out if he's is he really better in the slot, is he really better in the backfield, and go from there. Um, you know, on top of that, another recruiting story on the site today, Avery Davis, uh, Jake Brown put together a feature on him. He's a junior quarterback uh, who I talked about on last week's podcast about 
basically kind of a silent commitment. Um, definitely Notre Dame very strong in their spot there. He visited last weekend for the Wake Forest game. Loved the visit, raved about it. Uh, Mike Sanford thinks he's the guy for next year. And this the same dynamics hold true today as they did last week that Baylor, Oklahoma, Texas, TCU, Texas A&M all have commitments already from quarterbacks to the junior class. Notre Dame doesn't. And uh, Avery Davis certainly is very high on the Irish. He's a, a true dual threat, really a spark plug type athlete. Not great size, but man, he can move once he gets to the outside. He is. I've seen a little bit of film of him. I mean, he is a run first quarterback, and and the passing mechanics are not fully developed at this stage. Kind of a mm-hmm. slinger, um, sidearm, three quarter um, delivery, uh, but athletically. <laughs> Quite spectacular, um, and you know, again, when you talk about complement to the to a position, a guy that is um, a little bit more run first, which you know, Malik Zaire was. I mean, I thought had done a great job of of going from a run first quarterback coming in to a guy that really had become pass first, and obviously Deshaun Kaiser is as well. Yeah, no question. So, I mean, we're sitting there, Notre Dame, eighteen commitments now. Uh, the next question is always how many spots are left. Notre Dame is going to get real aggressive with this and try to get five, six more guys. I don't, you look at the board, there are not necessarily enough targets out there to to warrant five or six more guys projecting in the class, but uh, Notre Dame wants to be aggressive about it and see if they can get, you know, Dalen Hayes, obviously, Devin Studd still, um, you know, can they get another receiver? Um, certainly they're, they're passing at tight end, they're done at running back, uh, but Linebacker is still pretty open, you know, whether it be Dalen Hayes, Jeffrey McCulloch, do they want to drop down? You know, Jonathan Jones is still in there, who just turned 18, in case you aren't on Twitter and didn't see Jim Harbaugh's birthday cake to him. Um, <laughs> you know, there there are still a bunch of guys on the board. Are, do I think they're going to max out and fill the class the way they ideally will? Probably not. Um, but I also think you look at their scholarship chart, which we put together this week on the site, and if they got one more commitment, they would be at 85, and that's assuming Jalen Smith is out of here and Kavari Russell is out of here, um, Will Fuller returning. Coming back, yeah. So it's, uh, they're in a very healthy position, and I think that they can go into December and January and look at, okay, if we take another guy, he has to be an elite guy because we're going to remove somebody from the roster, essentially. Right? Yeah, you would figure three over again, though, right? Yeah, Just knowing that it's a healthy place to be. It is, and the transfers are guaranteed, so anytime, there's no reason to even worry about that yeah. wildly. Is that including Avery Sebastian? Avery Sebastian is back? on yeah. there, in my mind, as a, as a sixth-year senior. Um, and not Grace. Not Grace, yeah. not Barati, not Turner. Um, you know, Basically, I kind of went with the the most likely. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. that's the way you can do it. And, I mean, I... If it wasn't for Will Fuller last week saying his comeback, I would not have had Will Fuller on there. Right. Um, so I guess and I think Brian Kelly is still a little bit like, yeah, let's just kind of see how this goes. Uh, but and Tim, you're right; there will be a transfer off this roster. It is inevitable because it happens every single year. Yeah. So Notre Dame, it's, again, I've been saying for the last few weeks, they're in a great spot with recruiting right now, better than they've been in you know, really. In well, and you cycle. get to a playoff, and and that that changes the yeah, dynamics that, right there. That's I mean, because that's. I like the way it's set up because if you're going to go after the high, high end guys and you're selling, well, you could come here and we were nine and three and played in the Russell Athletics last champ sports bowl. Like that's not really going to turn a lot of heads. If you're 
eleven and one, and hey, we're we're playing Clemson in the the semifinal. You should probably watch that. Then you know guys like Dalen Hayes and you know Wole Batiku, um, they're gonna be like, oh yeah, Notre Dame. That's outside my comfort zone, but they're playing really good football, and I kind of liked how things were a little bit different there. Then then like different is good, um, opposed to just. Different is uncomfortable. Who um, w- would you say Notre Dame's in the best position to land Studstill of the group of guys that's the names yeah, you're throwing out there? I would there? say Studstill is highly likely to end up in the class. Um, that that would be a, the guy that would surprise me if he was not part of the recruiting yeah. class. The other guys, I feel like they've got a lot of work to do. And you mentioned Dalen Hayes is a linebacker, but I think I'm all, ultimately he develops into a defensive end. Yeah, and, and, yeah, and, it, and that could be at Ohio State or it could be at Michigan <laughs> yeah, State because yeah. um, those schools are coming after him really hard. That's kind of a, did he end up coming to that award show weekend or not? Um, that's sort of the, the next question there. So it'll be interesting to see how that wraps up. One quick recruiting note, Auburn commitment, Alaric Williams, who's a running back from Alabama, is scheduled to be at the Shamrock Series game this weekend in Boston. They need he, another running back. Yeah, he, <laughs> he visited for Navy. Um, so something to figure out down the road. But certainly the Shamrock Series games, as much time as we put into it, like, oh, what a great recruiting event. When you're in the Northeast, not yeah, really. So that's uh, not really fertile recruiting guy. Probably more of a recruiting uh, for the university at large. Can they pick off some faculty from some of those Northeast schools <laughs> while they're out there? So we will talk more recruiting next week, but we'll also talk to you from Fenway Park on Saturday night with our pregame instant analysis, postgame as well. So until then, Tim Priester, Tim O'Malley, I'm Pete Sampson. You've been listening to Irish Illustrated Insight. Come back to Boston as soon as we can. The whole thing ain't gone down again.